consciousness, mindset, health, relationship, business. Welcome to the Aubrey Marcus Podcast. Welcome to the Hot Podcast. What's up, man? <laughs> Not much. How are you, dude? Good, great. Excited Good. to be here. Yeah. Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Our first the trip return. was pretty epic out here. Pretty epic. We <laughs> loved it, man. Yeah. Anytime we have an excuse to come back here, we're always down to do it. Yeah. Every awesome. time. I always tell people the the Ana Academy is like uh, the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory for grown ass men. It's <laughs> right. like I mean anything you need supplements, gym wise. For whatever reason, every girl walking around here is like Victoria's uh, Secret fashion <laughs> models. It's like everyone's pretty. It's just, it's weird, man. When we leave here, Brian and I will get on the plane. I'm like, dude, what the hell? He's like, I, it's nuts, man. I'm, seriously, I've never seen anything like it. It's nuts. It's kind of like a, I mean, I'm so far, so so intimately involved in creating it that it's, it's hard to take that bird's eye view and kind of reflect upon, oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. Because you're in it. Because I'm in it. But, like, I was just, uh, Sybil, who, yeah. who picked us up from the airport, the, what I was telling her on why it works is because if you just walked in here and you're like, oh, Aubrey just surrounds himself with pretty girls and, you know, they sell supplements. Nah, bitch. You, like, I was talking to Sybil. She's a smart girl. Mm. Like, these girls are really smart. Yeah, they're it's the same thing, job. like, uh, at Fox. A lot of the the correspondents or the, the host there, the girls, a lot of girls I know move from wherever to come to LA and they look at those girls and they think they're just pretty. But if yeah. you talk to those girls, they have degrees in journalism. These girls are beasts, man. They're very educated, very witty, smart. So I think people, they want to just throw that out there. Like, oh, Aubrey just ran yeah, they want to girls. They want to discredit people. Yeah, it's like, no, go talk to yeah. some of those girls. I was talking to Sybil. She's a smart girl, man. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like that myth that you can't have it all. That you have to be one thing or another. Oh, you're and you probably get that too. Oh, you're a fucking fighter. You're mm-hmm. a football player. It means you're probably dumb. It's my number like, one thing, man. I get like, all the time. Can't you can't? You're not funny, but how yeah. could you be? Yeah. But and I like I like pushing people's boundaries with that and kind of shattering that stereotype. Like, yeah, I'll fucking go deep and talk to you about ayahuasca or smoking DMT. Yeah, but man. if you want to just bench press and slam, we beers, can do that too, like, son. Like, yeah. We can do that. I too. got that now. <laughs> That I can do. That's the easy part. Yeah, I uh, especially in LA, you know, that meathead kind of stereotype, man. It's it's real because in LA there's not a lot of big guys. So Brian, whenever we walk in somewhere, he goes, "I'm gonna call you Hungry Eyes." Because all the girls stare at you. I'm like, dude, they're not staring at me because I look like Brad Pitt. They're staring at me because I look like a meathead, and everyone's tiny in this bar, man. That's what they're staring at. So I'm constantly battling that. Yeah, I, I, I told, I mean, I've said this on our show, I told Brian, one of the reasons I grew out my hair, because I had a shaped head for 15 years, it's a meathead look, man, for, for a long time, right. especially for a big guy with my ears and stuff like that, so I was like, man, I just got to do some subtle changes now that I'm in entertainment, and it makes me feel better, I'm not doing it to, so other people don't think I'm me, I just, I feel better about it. Yeah, I think that's, <clears throat> I think that's the only reason to do all of these things. Yes. But you know, I think one one of the weakest things that humans do is we create games that we score, but we modify the rules so that we win. Yeah. You know, so like an intellectual devalues all physical attributes, mm-hmm. all other things, and they say, well, the only game that matters is this intellectual game that I'm playing, and I'm superior. In. Yeah, because like, they're good they, at that game. They were good at that game. Yes. So we create games. 
we like we create the games that fit rules that make sense for us and like prop us up and it's just this dirty trick of the ego like all of that shit's important and that used to be the ideal the ideal like the renaissance man the warrior poet this kind of concept where it's not good enough to be a good soldier you better be a good philosopher and a good artist and all of these things but people now just they're weak and so they just pick that one thing that they're naturally good at and say this is the only fucking thing that matters it's it's the same thing with fighters they they do what they're good at a stand-up guy just does stand-up he doesn't really want to focus on his ground game the jiu-jitsu guy only wants to do jiu-jitsu because they want to stay in that comfort zone because that's what they're good at so i think like today's modern man i feel like is completely different i'm sure you have your view on this but you know, back in the day, like a guy's guy, right? Like you didn't have to be that educated. It wasn't that cool to have a huge vocabulary and read books and, you know, and, and give off and have a lot of style in that personality. To I think today's like gentleman is, man, he's well-read. Yeah. He takes care of himself. He knows about nutrition. He, do, he knows about cars. Like we said, he, he can pound bears and do that stuff and do the tough guy stuff. But to be like a guy's guy, you have to go the other way, man. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's the progress. Yeah, I think those progress. older those older ideals are coming back. But you still you still see it. You know, you still see weird pockets of it. And I find it in probably communities that you don't see, which is these kind of spiritual communities. Yes, you know, I bet. where they're preaching all of this kind of oneness and love or whatever. But you know, they're scoring the game solely on these thin set of rules about your access to this particular type of spirituality and consciousness where they get it's really weird for them to step into an environment where people are competing hard in sports yeah, and, man. and so you know i think all across the board it's time to embrace it all and, and on the opposite you know there's people training for the fucking nfl combine in there that you know probably could you know be a little more open-minded to floating and and that's one of the cool things that on it does is it brings these different modalities kind of together but it's also like that's the culture that's created in that sports environment like uh I was t- Sybil and I went to get coffee and uh I was talking with her and she's asking about college where I went to University of Colorado played football there and she goes oh did you like it I said honestly if I could redo it again I wouldn't granted it got me a scholarship paid for college but like I have a son now and unless he's super gifted at sports I wanted to go to school to learn because I went to school and majored in football. I was yeah. a double major, but still, as a football, they give you the easy classes. I was good at test taking, so I just I was just good at test taking. I learned how to take tests in college mm-hmm. instead of actually learning the material. Yeah. So, uh, but it's the culture you're in. So these football players get ready for the combine or they're in the NFL. No one's saying, "Hey, man, I I, I know we play Nebraska this week. It's important. Make sure you." You know, read this book. Make yeah. sure you understand this philosopher. Make sure you do this. No one's saying that. No. They're, they're saying, make sure you have a 2.0 or higher. Other than that, we don't give a fuck. Cross the bare minimum. Focus on That's your That's how it is, man. Make sure you get into the gym. Make sure, you know. So, it, and it's not their fault. They just, don't, no one's introduced them to it. So, I've been super fortunate with my dad, who's super educated, and with Brian. You know, mm-hmm. Brian has been a mentor. And he was the guy like, man, you know, you don't have to be a meathead. You're actually a really smart guy. Yeah. Maybe read this book. I was like, all right, start reading the book, and then you just go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, there needs to be more of that kind of concept put out there, more pressure. And, and I, I agree with you. I think it's happening. 
It's I happening. It's definitely. Sure. It's definitely. You know why it's happening? Because that's what girls are attracted to. Right. The girl, the the hot girl in the room. Again, it's a stereotype. We think she, you know she might be dumb or something like that. Go talk to that girl. A lot of times they're very educated. Uh, they have these great personalities. They don't want the meathead who just knows about protein powder and curls. You know. Right. So they I make, think that's make, why guys they make fun of that guy. Yeah. At, at the lunch. Yeah. Know? So I think the Jersey Shore guy. That's no more, man. Right. You can't show up in an Ed Hardy shirt and a tan and think it's gonna work. <laughs> So you got to spit some fucking knowledge, man. The game is real. You've mentioned education a few times, but that's another thing that I think is really ripe for change because I didn't play sports in college. I mean, I played a bunch of fraternity sports and had fun with that. But I think if I look at the amount of money dropped, and I was very fortunate. My parents had the means to to pay, and I could just contribute where I could. And so I was free to add double major, double minor. I did theater. I did all this fucking crazy cool stuff. Which was cool, but my actual education, you know, from listening to podcasts and reading books and doing the shit on my own, far surpassed what I learned I know, in, in university. And I went to good school, University of Richmond. Great school. And I think that's like that idea is ripe for, you know, some other idea to come along, some other disruptive technology to say, like, here's some other option. Well, it's just old school, like the, the way of thinking, you know, the way the, even the books. Even yeah. the books that they have kids reading, it's insane. It's so antiquated. It's like it's so slow to react in this fast Plus, world. you all have to learn the same way. Yeah. M- maybe I'm a visual learner. Maybe when the teacher does that, when she's just talking in the class and writing notes, I don't learn that way. What about that? Mm-hmm. And now every kid has ADD. You mean energy? We used to have huge recesses. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Well, ADD exists because there's a drug that you can prescribe to this fix it. This is true. You know, that's, like that's, that means everyone I grew up with had ADD. We yeah. didn't take medication. We played football and basketball at recess. And yeah. then everyone was exhausted. And then we come in and sit in class. But they, the kids don't do They're getting away from that now. That documentary um, by the guy from Bigger, Faster, Stronger, Prescription Thugs. Did you see that? Yes. So they talk about that too. They talk about how, you know, bipolar disorder, super rare psychological disorder, like very, very uncommon. Then they found a drug that treated it, you know, reasonably well enough. And then all of a sudden the incidence of it. Now everyone has it. Now everyone has it. It's diagnosed all the time. Well, it's it's just like, it's the same with antidepressants or even sleep pills. Like we have a friend, Brian, Brian, I do, who's very successful um, he's an actor. He makes money off his creativity for, for his brain. And he's always had a depression problem. And, um, you know, it's in his family. And he saw this. He's been seeing this therapist. And it's been helping him. And we can tell when he's going through it. And he got on um, antidepressants. And he's just, he's not as creative. He's just not the same guy. Yeah, it's very dull. Like, dude, f- forget those things, man. That's how you make a living. Yeah. You know, if, if you're going to be down, we need to figure something out. Maybe start work because it doesn't work out. Like, maybe work out. Maybe try some other stuff. But that should be the last resort. Yeah. I don't, you know, no poetry would ever have been written if people had access to fucking Zoloft. Never, <laughs> you man. Know, like there's Zoloft something... never wrote a great song. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. You think Nirvana would be around if there's Zoloft? No, <laughs> yeah. hell no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not there's good, some, man. There's something about the rawness of those kind of emotions. Because we can relate to it. Yeah, and everyone everybody, everybody goes through. There's days where I'm fucking super depressed. And I have everything, like, positive in the I universe. Know. I know. You know. And then there's days where I'm... In the flow, in the moment, elated. I'm so happy at life. But you know what's weird is we, we have friends, and we have mutual friends, and I, I read about these people who are manic depressive and they've got all these medication. So maybe one day out of 60, I might be down. It will. My brain will let me go, dude, 
you might be bipolar, man, depressive. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, am I? <laughs> oh, man, I am kind of doing a stand-up now. Stand-up's kind of fucked up. Am I fucked up? And you, like, create this whole kind of sure. weird world and weird kind of... I don't all the connotations that go with it, man. I'm, and if I'm you indulge that too much, then you'll start to create that reality too. Like if you go down and you start believing that about yourself, you'll manifest that. Hell yeah! Next so thing you know, here's in my eyes. It's all <laughs> fucking pink. I got tight ass skin jeans on, playing a guitar. Like, you usually what, have tight ass skinny yeah, jeans. Yeah, I do. On. <laughs> like what the fuck happened to Brendan? I don't know, man. Just wearing all black. <laughs> yeah, just a whole lot look like fucking Marilyn Somehow, Manson. No tan ever. <laughs> no tan. Open the big brown. Oh, that's big white now. <laughs> yeah, that's, big, that's big depressed now. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's not to say that some of these things can't help people with a certain particular thing. It's just everybody, you know, I think there's no tolerance for going through the suffering and figuring it out, putting on your detective that's hat, life, figuring, right? out, figuring out where that's coming from, yeah, man. ameliorating that and then moving forward, you know, where everybody's looking for that, that kind of quick solution. And I just think that no one's happy all the time. No, no one's happy 24 Look, seven. Me, like me and Friday's you got there. a lot of fucking great shit going on. We're I have not, no reason to be sad. No reason. No reason. No reason. No reason. No reason. No I'm reason. sad sometimes. I'm sad right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm depressed right now. God <laughs> damn it. The depressed. I'm very depressive. <laughs> and I but, think that's do, good for people to hear though, because they probably think like, Man, you know, these guys, it's just, if I was like them, I'd be happy every single day, be fucking rainbows and butterflies. No, man. Nah. Hell no, nah, hell no. Nah. Dude, some of the most successful people I know, they just have these dark days. They, yeah. They're super dark. And, but that's also why they're successful. But they're trying to fill this hole. The, yeah. most, the most dominant champ I knew uh, had the biggest darkness. Was always trying to fill this hole and it's never going to get filled. That's why... Uh, he or she was such a successful fighter. Yeah, you see that, and like, do you see the Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs movie? Yes. So you see that like a little bit with Steve Jobs. Like there was in these crazy visionaries, there was some kind of driving force because he was adopted. He was right? adopted and discarded, and he was never validated like that. And that's certainly a fuel. But if you probably looked at the suffering in that man's life, it was immense. You know, like if you if you want to use that fuel, it's definitely it's like burning coal. Like it's not a clean burning fuel, but it can get you far. I, it usually goes two ways. Like people use an excuse and they just they just have a horrible life. They turn right. They junkies. become the victim. Yes. Or you get a guy like Steve Jobs who man, it's gonna be tough to work for, but is he ever a beast, innovative, and he's trying to fill this hole and prove to those parents who gave him up, like you fucked up, man. Mm -hmm. Look at me. So it creates, again, it creates this kind of the diamond, man. It yeah. really does. Yeah, no, it does. One thing I've been playing with is, because I've used that fuel before, and I just wrote a post about it, and I was talking about it, where, like, I remember a girl in college, she broke up with me and started dating a linebacker. I think he was playing for DuPaul or and then maybe mm -hmm. onto the Steelers. Um, and I remember she broke out, and I was like, I, I get all fucked up in my head. My ego is all fucking sure, tweaked out. And I started be. looking at, I started looking at his like combine stats because he went out for pro day or whatever. And I saw how many times he did the bench press, fucking two twenty five test. So there was me in my fucking mind with Pantera in my headphone <laughs> playing this love on repeat. <laughs> you take this love, <laughs> love, and just in Queensland, Australia, it's beautiful. There's birds chirping. Yeah. There's beautiful women walking by, and I'm in the fucking University of Queensland weight room, just head 
headphones on, just lifting iron to my just body, just just corrupt, yeah, trying to catch up with this dude. And I fucking finally do. I catch. I got short arms, yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I was good at bench pressing, yeah. And I fucking catch up to him. And I felt like satisfied, but it didn't fucking matter. After that, you're like, no. What the right. fuck? Like, that was like. Texter, hey, he did 225 20 times. I did 21. So yeah. Very cool. He's yeah, a giant awesome. dick, Aubrey. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Back to work. <laughs> but, you know, everything is kind of like that. Like, you're trying to prove something, but it's a hole that you can never fill. No some, amount of championship belt, no, no amount of bench press 225 tests. And for will some, ever for fill some that. people, it, you know, it's a lifetime of that. And they, I, they don't realize it until it's too late. You're never going to fill that. So, I, for me, I have some of that. And I think it started in, in sports. I was always. Uh, I was always talented, but I'll, I'll never forget when I played basketball. I played in this competitive league. I must have been sixth or seventh grade. And um, it was an all-black team, black coach, all-black mm-hmm. kids, and me, little brown. And white as shit next to those guys. But uh, it was the first game, and I, I never felt like I fit in. I was always trying to, you know, the one white kid. And they had these sweet jerseys. That's why I'm always so detailed with our merchandise. So I'm yeah. so into details and the way, you know, fashion. So these jerseys, I remember he showed us one like two weeks before. He's like, everyone's getting these first game. I was like, oh, those are so sick. I can't wait. You know, it's sixth grade. He's giving out the jerseys. And it was like, I was like Milton off office space. He's like uh, 22, giving the kids jerseys, you know, going down the line. And then he gets to the box and there's no, there's no more jerseys. He's like, ah, oh, I didn't get you one, man. What? He's like, uh, just wear your old one. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. No, oh, yeah, I'll wear the old one. Oh, you mean the green one when everyone else is in black? That one? He's like, yeah, get the green one. So you're out there. And it's so embarrassing. Man. Yeah. A, you're the white kid around with all black kids, so you already don't fit in. Yeah. B, now I'm in a fucking green jersey while everyone else is in black, you know? And, you know, I, I was good, but the, these kids are superstars. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'll never forget that feeling. I always carried it with me. Like, I always thought that. I was just always one step behind in everything. Like I, I it was never going to happen for me. So I, University of Colorado football, growing up in Denver, that's a big deal, man. Yeah. Gold helmet, black jersey. When if you grow up in Colorado, that's the goal. And they gave you a fucking green one. Gave me a green jersey. <laughs> nope. They misspelled my name. No way. Yeah. I finally. I, I, we get to the locker. It's first. It's game day, and I, I get to my jersey, and I'm like, finally, open up the locker. I'm like. Okay, it's okay. Well, it's S C H A U B, not U A B, and it was misspelled. Schwab. Yeah, and I was like, all right, well, fuck again, man. <laughs> so I've always had this, and and then again there, what happened? Uh, if you're one of the top five players on the team, like one of the superstars going to the NFL, which I was, I was a good player. I wasn't one of those guys. They would put special gifts in your locker, but mm-hmm. it was just a way to kind of segregate the kids where it was like it's not a good feeling man so you always you never felt special ever so i think for me whatever this journey is now that we're doing these live shows and the podcast especially the live shows it's the love i've always been seeking it's literally like that fills the hole and i i think that's why i crave it i'm I'm always trying to perform like come on look at like me i have a green jersey on like me man and so i think just this path of live performing like i'm starting to finally get that and i i never got it with i never got it when i fought in the ufc i was always this is gonna sound ridiculous because people like that's a dick move but it's the way i think i got as far as i did with my confidence is I always thought every fight I should be in the main event. I would get there and be pissed I wasn't the main event. I was 
I was pissed. I wasn't on the countdowns. I was on nine countdowns. I, I, I forget how many fights, fights I had, maybe 14 in the UFC, but, you know, I was nine count, countdowns out of 14, pretty fucking good, more mm-hmm. than a lot of guys. I was pissed not every one of my fights was on a countdown. When I when we were signing posters, if I wasn't on a poster, ruined, I wouldn't talk to him. It would ruin my day. It's weird, man. But yeah. that comes from not getting acknowledged as a little kid. Sure. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we create these conditional self-love games with ourselves. Like, we love ourselves according to our performance. Fuck, even our, I mean, we learn this from society. I mean, our coaches treat us that way. Our parents treat us that way. Everybody around us treats us that way. That's just the, the way that the earth is done. You know, hopefully at some point we have that mother or that grandmother or that someone that no matter how good we do or how bad we do, they're always there. The love stays the same. Some of us don't have that force at all. I was yeah. fortunate that I had, you know, that was my mother. And then everybody else around me was fucking, you know, the opposite. Yes. Right. You know, yes. like I played well, I was awesome. Yeah. I played shitty. Then they could try to mask it, but it was like, you could feel the fucking. <laughs> yeah, you know what's up. You could feel you the know what's up. Yeah. You know, so, you, so we learn then we internalize it and then we do it to ourselves and then we're constantly seeking it. But it always leaves us vulnerable because no matter where we go, we have to do have some other fresh triumph in order to fill that hole. I have to, because as soon as you accomplish that one thing, it's like, damn, that didn't work, man. Yeah, because right. it's not right. it's not sustainable. It, no. So the only sustainable way then is to get rid of that paradigm entirely. And you got to address it, and see what's going on. Yeah, and I just, have not done that, Aubrey. I, I've been trying, and it's it's hard, and it's a, like multifaceted approach, like because because the ego for me, I had a rule like. I'm a very competitive guy. And I had a rule like, yeah, people can be better than me at one thing only. Like that was like, that oh, yeah. was my rule. Like yeah. obviously there's going to be better people in sports. There's going to be better chess players. There's yeah. going to be better, you know, philosophical minds or whatever. But that's the only thing I was going to give them. I was going to be so well-rounded that nobody could take me in two disciplines. I'm not mad at you that. know, right? So, and, but this was not just, be, it wasn't just like a, a pursuit because that's what I liked. It was this ego thing yeah, that I competition. had. It was this competition thing. And, and that was the fuel for it because that was what made me feel more like more worthy and yeah. more worthy of my own love yeah, like and whatever. Deserve to be there. Like I d- yeah, I deserved my own love at that point. I deserved to be loved by the world. But it always leaves you vulnerable because as soon as people challenge you, then you get that feeling like or someone says something bad about you, then you have that reaction to try and prove them more. But it leaves you inherently vulnerable. <sighs> Whereas if you can just ditch that and be like, Look, I am a force of life, period. Yeah. That's it. I am just a human being, breathing, living, doing what I can. And that's all good. I don't care what you say about I don't care what your judgments are. Then you're no longer vulnerable. I and agree. You can do things from passion. I think what makes that worse, though, is social media. <laughs> totally. Way worse. It's like huge resistance towards that concept. Way worse. And I was always a guy super engaged with social me- social media. I still am. My brother runs a lot of it because... I'm a sensitive guy and people yeah. would write comments and it would hurt my feelings, man. Or it'd make me change the way I thought about something on the show. Well, we didn't get successful by deciding what the fans thought was cool to talk about. So I, I had to stop doing it, man. It was literally some, there'd be, especially after a fight, oh, I'm like, yeah. win or lose, you get on there, it'll ruin your day, man. <laughs> I'm like, damn, what is wrong with people? It would, it would hurt my feelings. So again, that's... Uh, it's looking for approval all the time and it's not good. constantly it's not good yeah and that's you got to fill up you got to fill up your own cup just overflowing and so it just doesn't really matter you appreciate or you know if it comes in great if it doesn't come in great you know how a lot of people deal with this is what i 
think, and you, you probably know more so than me, but I think a lot of people deal with that hole, that void with drugs. They're, they, they numb the effect where totally. they don't have to address that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's two options. When you're in that state of suffering, you can either ascend or descend. You can, you can descend unconsciousness through alcohol or drugs. So you just numb it. So yeah. it's no longer so you don't a factor. Really deal with it. Or you ascend to a higher consciousness in yeah. which you transcend whatever feeling that you're going for. You either move up or down because right there stuck in the middle is hell. And there's re- but there's really no staying the, the same. Like you might st- like be in that middle for a day or two, but then it's you got to go up or down, up or down, up or down. Oh my god, it's, it's down, unsustainable. Man. It's too it it's is. too miserable. Yeah, it's a beast. So I, I, I need help, man. <laughs> I, I start crying. <laughs> well, I remember because I mean I, it's really prescient to me right now because I had a couple things happen. I had like some somebody told me something that somebody said that was kind of like a blow to my ego and then some other dude in kind of a tangential social circle was talking shit and i know my usual reaction my usual reaction is like oh yeah i'm fucking batman motherfucker yeah come try me yeah i lace lace up the gloves legion of shadows yeah 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 Yeah, it's like it's like it's on you know but that's just me like my ego got lessened you know so i took that blow and here's me supporting it with my own validation of like yeah here's me doing all this cool shit i'm gonna be make this money and i'm gonna do this but what I decided, I was like, no, I'm going to try a different tactic because I'm tired of this shit affecting it's me. Exhausting. I don't, I, I was having a lovely day. And then these two comments <laughs> at this fucking same time and they hit me from two different angles. And all of a sudden I'm like not having a good day anymore because I'm like worried about this I random know, shit. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to be vulnerable. My ego was depressed. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to let it starve. Like I'm not going to feed it. I'm not going to try and provide the normal validation that I normally need to build that back up to get me out. I'm just gonna like let it suffer and let it sit. Just be. And which sucked worse because it was like it's the longer way around. And I'm not saying that I fully succeeded because the ego's tricky. It'll still grab for other stuff. And then it'll even attach itself to that very concept. It was like, man, I'm so badass. I'm <laughs> trying to fix my ego. I'm like, fuck! It's my that's fucking that's ego! You know, Such a badass now. I don't care. Yeah, so he goes like, like, hey, bro, still here. Yeah. We're still playing the game, just different rules. Dude, the the person who deals a lot with that, who told me the same thing, uh, Rogan was like, dude, I don't, I don't get why you give a fuck what people say. I'm like, dude, I just, we had a mutual friend, and you know this guy, and he said something about me, and you know, Rogan's so uh, confident and so, you know, he's just, he knows who he is. He's yeah. comfortable who he is. And he just, we were literally like talking about, I think a UFC or something like that. And he was like, oh yeah, that guy said you fucking suck. And I was like, what? And he just kept going like, no, what did he say? He doesn't like me? He's like, no, not at all. I was like, you can't throw that out there and then just start talking about your Porsche, man. Give me details. He's like, why do you give a fuck? I'm like, dude, I can't, if someone doesn't like me, it really bothers me. Sure. And Rogan's like, dude, you're going to have a long time in life if you care st- about that stuff. Yeah. But he was the guy who was just like, dude, fuck it, man. Yeah. You can't please everyone. Just keep going. Keep doing your thing. Yeah. So you guys are better at it than me. Fuck, it's not easy. And I don't know if I, don't know if I can say I'm better. I just, I just try to try all these different methods. And I think ultimately that is the method, though, is just to be so 
beyond the need to support the ego that it doesn't matter. Like you just, you don't need any validation. You just enjoy doing what you do and you enjoy being a surf for you. Instead of needing any validation from the crowd that you're getting, yeah. you just enjoy giving them the service of the laughter yep. and like enjoying that laughter along with them. You know, Dude, I, I, I went into it a little bit on the last fire in the kid, but Brian and I shot these fire in the kid three D's. This isn't a, push here this isn't a marketing thing they uh we shot them and fox are the ones who paid for it so we wrote 12 episodes brian and i and mitch our director and we give them to fox and fox goes oh we, we can't do this there's we, we just we can't do this man and i was like this is what we wrote though like i know but this isn't pg or pg-13 i was like have you heard the show? Like, we really don't listen. We know your ratings are great, and that's why we do what we do, and that's why we want to do this, but um, you guys are going to have to change it. And these are suits, right? Old yeah. white guys have no idea what the world is going on, really. And uh, I told Brian, like, dude, if we change this and we try to appeal to the suits and the, the masses, we are going to go back on everything we stand for. Yeah. Because podcasting, it's raw, it's real. I've We've done podcasts where I've cried after a fight. We've done podcasts where Brian's been going through some stuff where he just lost a big job. And it's always been true and real. So I told Brian, I said, if we do this, it, it has to be this. So we told Fox, came back the next day. I said, we're not, we're not changing, man. It's either this or we're not doing it. And they said, all right, we'll shoot it and then we'll, we'll figure it out. Which means shoot it, we'll edit it, we'll see how it goes. So we shoot it just how we do it. And uh, we show it to them. And they're actually like, damn, this we love the material. Again, we we can't we can't yeah. put this out, man. And not only can we not put it out, but these sponsors who you guys were planning on dishing out for free, they're out because it's so rated R and X rated. Like, All right, well we don't need Harley Davidson, Dodge, Burger King. We don't I mean we don't we don't give a fuck. We do know this is us though to the fullest, man. So what do you want to do? They said it's up to up to you guys. You guys come up with it. I said, all right, we'll do that. And our our agents, Fox, all said, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I said, it is, I'll tell you what is going to work if our fans know it's from us and it's real and we give it to them directly. Yeah. Yeah, the universe will always test you and they'll test your virtues, you know. And but as, your, as long as you're... Test your integrity. As lo- as, yes, as long as you're real, like what, as long as you stick to what brought you to the dance. That's like me going in a fight and going against Junior Dos Santos. Dude, I'm looking to take his ass down. I'm not going to box with his big ass. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do what got me to the dance, grappling. Yeah. So with this, I was telling Brian, I was like, and, and our agent, and Fox, I said... We can't change. I know our I, I know our fan base, man. I'm telling you, they can sniff out bullshit. If you guys water this down and make us do this, you know, fucking Family Guy stuff or whatever the what do you want to do on these sitcoms? It's gonna be terrible. Yeah. And so far, you know, the, the this story's not over, but I, I seem to know what the fuck I'm doing when it comes to that. And and I think the people who are susceptible to that are the people who are desperate for some kind of validation or yes. desperate for some kind of attention. It's different. I think both me and you are in this position where we still, our ego still likes it. We yeah. still want it, yeah. but we don't need it. We're no. strong enough to say no in the face of it. But you see some people who are hungry. It's like the ego becomes a crackhead, yeah, man. you know, and they're willing to sell anything. They'll bend over, spread their cheeks, you know, to get that hit of crack, that hit of validation. And that's when it gets, that's on the extreme of the negative. And then the extreme of the positive is what I was talking before, where you're just, 
you don't need anything at all. You're completely full. And everybody kind of lines up somewhere in the spectrum. True. But at least if you're in that middle zone, then you have then you can, you know, turn down these other offers. Like it happens at Onnit all the time. All of these these shiny objects will get dangled, but it'll be some kind of sacrifice. And to you our, know it's not in your integrity. wheelhouse. Yeah, it's some not what you do. Some ingredient will come, and it, man, it's pretty close to as good as the one we got but it's not quite the same but it's half the cost and you're like oh i know no it's an easy decision once you decide what your integrity is well that again i bring him up because dude he's like my freak you know he's a mentor but rogan um when the ufc wanted me a the reebok deal right bad mm -hmm. deal for me um I, I i knew it was just time to go that that was kind of the the final push, but also doing an analyst job for Fox, UFC now, all that stuff. When they decided to ban me, I called Joe because I acted tough Yeah. on my show, on Lion. I, I made a joke of it, but I was really hurt, man. Yeah. And so I called Joe and he's like, I don't get why you care, man. You don't need them. Why, why do you look for this approval? <sighs> Fuck them. He's like, you're the, the, the issue is, is, the Zufa and the UFC don't pay your bills. So when you tell it like it is, yeah, some people aren't going to be on board on that. But right. at least you're true to yourself, man. Yeah. At least you're not selling out. Yeah. At least, least you know you can lay your head down at night and, and not feel like you, you were a sellout. So um, it gets me in a lot of trouble. But at the same time, it's also got, got me to where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, the, that's the something that all of us can, can guide, even if... You know, you're not in any of these big public eye positions. I mean, would you be willing to post that goofy ass, true as fuck post on on Instagram, for yeah. example, of yeah. just yourself being yourself, knowing that you know you may not get many likes, but it's really you. And that's kind of a silly example, but something that maybe brings it down brings it down to most people's level, where it's just the authenticity. Like, are you willing to rock your authenticity even in the face? of you know people being being weirded out because if you do it long enough you know people always come around to your always side. always because authenticity is the thing that i think people are attracted to the most oh especially in the in, in in my world i mean you look at any of the and i don't consider myself a journalist or an analyst I, i'm an entertainer that's that's the way i break it down so if you look at if you want to listen to anyone's viewpoints on fighting or life look who's paying their bill yeah if it's the UFC, if it's Zufa, if it's Fox, it's going to be a biased opinion. Unless it's Joe Rogan. Unless it's Joe <laughs> Rogan. Unless it's Joe Rogan. Yes. There's these but, weird, but, these but weird but, outliers. But you know? Yes, but Joe Rogan, uh, when he's doing commentary, it's, it's different, different than Joe podcast. Podcasts? Yeah. You want to talk to the boss? Yeah, he's right there. His name's Joe Rogan. <laughs> on, on my podcast or any show I do, right. you want to talk to the boss? Yeah, let me go get him. Oh, here's Brendan Bryan. We own it all, man. So, yeah, no so I'm not swayed toward any way. I'm biased towards friends, and you know, but uh, th there's no there's no honey dicking the fans. It's yeah. as real as it gets. And some people go, oh well, you, you like maybe you're a little you're a hater on the UFC. I'm not a hater. I'm one of the few guys who can just tell you how how, and I don't benefit from it. I'm one of the few guys who can just tell you how it really is. The Reebok deal's terrible. Most I can't tell you how many fighters I get that text me. Because they, they're they're not in a position because they will they will see repercussions if they come out. Yeah. Again, I don't have a dog in the fight. I've never worn Reeboks. It doesn't matter. 
it's so funny. It to, it's so funny to think of. I mean, I think it's really a, a position of weakness from that the UFC did what they did because if you're strong and you feel good, someone who has a differing opinion but is still talking about you, like you still get people excited about big fights. Oh yeah! Like don't get it fucking twisted. No, man. Like you're doing the UFC a service. A super solid. Yeah. You know, like yeah. You, you have a podcast called The Fighter and the Kid that's wildly popular in which you talk about upcoming and oh, past yeah. fights. Yeah, man. Like that's a service. Yeah. You're doing that for free to them. What, They're it, not paying. No. And you I'm also know? on the Fight Companion, which is hands down the biggest show in the UFC. Right. It's not even UFC product. It's Joe Rogan, myself, Brian Cowan, and Eddie Bravo. So that's the biggest show there is. You should be getting fucking Cutco knives. Yeah, man. Like and fucking, corporate gifts. And yeah, yeah, man. I mean, send me a fucking Reebok kit. <laughs> yeah, I might burn it on Instagram. But it's the so thought what? that counts. So you're still, you know, creating interest in Yeah, this, man. You know, like, see beyond the petty. Yeah. It's ego, again. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's the ego brother. thing. It's like... Oh my! He's sliding my ego. We'll swing our big fucking yeah, corporate man. legal dick, and, and then like, it's but just weird, man. It's, it's weird. just weird. Again, it's all ego driven. It's yeah. all ego driven. So fucking rock it. Be yourself. Have rock it. Uh, look, I'm six four, two hundred fifty pounds. I wear skinny jeans, <laughs> bright shirts. Fucking. I, you don't think I get made fun of? I dyed my hair blue for God's sake. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, man. It's That's what I job. like to do. Yeah. Boom. Much love, people. Please, as I said on the podcast with Brian Callen, check out Fighter and the Kid, the funniest motherfuckers in the business right now. I love it. Um, also, the live shows, if this airs, this might be probably airing about the right time that you're in Texas, but check out all the spots they're going to. New Orleans, yeah, awesome. you can go to tfatk.com. We're in Houston, Dallas, New Orleans is the Texas run. We're also in uh, Oklahoma. And then for the the uh, Fighting the Kid 3D, the, the show, we're going direct to consumer. It's tfatk3d.com. Uh, they're pre-sale right now. If you get it, you get Brian's special, Never Grow Up, for free. All 12 episodes and the limited edition Fighting Kid 3D shirt. Sick. Boom. Get it done. Much love, everybody. Peace. I'd like to acknowledge the company that is the expression of so many things I love, onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, and also wearspace.com with two S's, putting out some really dope clothes and supporting my favorite charities. Lastly, please check out my blog, aubreymarcus.com, for the latest in all the ventures happening in my world. If you enjoyed the podcast, tell a friend, leave a review, and let's make this positivity contagious. Thanks for tuning in.